0: Hello, this is Sukei Nafal and Vülbjörk-Ena live from Paris, and you're listening to episode one of the Fall 2021 City Diplomacy Students podcast, under the supervision of Dr. Lorenzo Kilgren-Grandi, professor of the course in City Diplomacy at Sciences Po Paris School of International Affairs. In this first episode of the fourth season my colleague Gwilbjörg and I will talk to you about the nature and scope of the Council of Europe urban strategy and some of its challenges. In other words, how does the Council of Europe integrate cities in its action? In particular in the midst of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, which has opened the Pandora box of oh so many challenges, what are some avenues for improvement of this urban strategy? Before answering those questions, let's start with a little reminder. As the website page of the Council of Europe itself puts it, don't get it confused. The Council of Europe, based in Strasbourg, France, is not the Council of the European Union, institution of the European Union, based in Brussels, Belgium, but a totally separate and different organisation, which my friend Gvulbjörg will brief you on in a second. Over to you, Gvulbjörg.
1: Thank you, Georgina. Yes, it's actually a common misunderstanding that the Council of Europe is an institution of the EU. But it's important to note that no country has ever joined the EU without first being a member of the Council of Europe. The Council of Europe is actually an international organization established in 1949. It consists of 47 European states, which covers about 800 million citizens and operates with an annual budget of approximately 500 million euros. The Council of Europe is the continent's leading human rights organization. The main role of the organization is to promote democracy and the rule of law in Europe. Now to the main content of this podcast. What is the urban strategy of the Council of Europe and how does it integrate cities in its section? Due to the number of member states it covers, the Council of Europe has a lot of opportunities to integrate cities. Its main urban strategy tools, which we are going to discuss, are the Council of Europe's Congress of Local and Regional Authorities and its European Charter of Local Self-Government, as well as the European Charter 1 and 2, and the Programme of Intercultural Cities. Let's start with the first pillar, the Council of Europe's Congress of Local and Regional Authorities, which I will be referring to as Congress in this podcast. This is the pan-European political assembly which represents both local and regional administrations from all the member states of the Council of Europe. In total, it is constituted by 648 members appointed for 5 years reporting the voice of a total of 150,000 regions and municipalities. What exactly is the aim of the Congress? This is the important part. The aim of the Congress is to strengthen democracy at the local level and promote better consolations and fair sharing of power and responsibilities between central governments and local authorities, as promoted by the European Charter of Local Self-Government, which the Congress is responsible to monitor. The Congress also observes local and regional elections, especially the polling and the election campaigns. If you look at the structure of the Congress, it has two chambers. The Chamber of the Local Authorities, where European mayors, city representatives express themselves and share the message. The other one is the Chamber of Regions, where regional authorities do the same. Those chambers perform plenary sessions twice a year at the Palace of Europe in Strasbourg. Then, the active work of the Congress is separated in three committees. The first one is the Monitoring Committee, which monitors the application of the Charter of Local Self-Government by organizing monitoring visits and drafting reports and recommendations on the state of local and regional democracy in member states. The second one is the Governance Committee, which is responsible for affairs relating to the Congress statutory mandate. The third one is the current affairs committee, which is responsible for exploring the role of local and regional authorities with regard to the major challenges of our society and preparing work on thematic issues such as social cohesion, education and so on. The daily task of the Congress includes drafting reports, recommendations and resolutions which the Committee of Ministers of Council of Europe then receives and provides feedback on. The Congress also cooperates with national associations, international associations, observers, civil society and so on. The work of the Congress in urban policies is gathered within the European Urban Charters. The Urban Charter 1 was adopted in 1992 and the European Urban Charter 2 was adopted in 2008. The purpose of the Charter 1 is to provide a practical tool and a handbook about urban management for local authorities arrange the main elements for a potential future convention on urban rights, provide the groundwork for an international award program for cities who follow up on the principles of the Charter, and to establish a visiting visiting card for the Council of Europe on issues relating to the human-made environment and produce a summary of the results of the work of the Council of Europe and, in particular, the Congress on Urban Questions. Charter 1 places great emphasis on qualitative aspects of urban development and quality of life in accordance with the Council of Europe's guardianship of the freedom of its citizens and their human rights. The process of the globalization which European towns and cities were highly exposed to forced European cities to adjust very quickly to these new technological, ecological, economic and social conditions that came along. This adaptation is symbolized by the adoption of a new urban charter 2, where a lot of key texts on urban matters were improved and adapt to this new era. European towns and cities belong to the citizens. They are an economic, social and cultural asset which must be passed on to future generations. That's something that charter 2 takes into consideration to build a new urban project for the diverse cities and towns of Europe to help them retain their individuality while guarding their mutual values. Since problems within cities are often very similar in nature, the European Urban Charter specifies universal guiding principles which are easy to implement in all member states countries. This universal component is extremely important because the Council of Europe is growing even bigger with an even more diverse membership with the entry of Central and Eastern European countries. So we can look at this charter as an important tool for all these states to complete their democratic reform and planify their urban strategy. The last important pillar of the Council of Europe's urban strategy that I'm going to talk about today is the programme of intercultural cities, which I will be referring to as the ICC in this podcast. The ICC is now being implemented by over 130 cities in Europe and beyond thanks to the Intercultural City Network which was made to increase outreach and impact. The ICC is based on the policy model of intercultural integration which focuses on enabling communities, organizations and companies to manage people's diversity in a way that ensures the equality of all identities and cohesion. To do so, the ICC proposes a range of methodologies and policy briefs to help local authorities design and deliver inclusive policies covering different areas such as economic development, urban planning, and so on. If we had to cite two important components of the ICC, then we would first mention the anti-rumor strategy, which standardized through the publication of a handbook, teaches cities how to eliminate the root causes of discrimination, that is, fake information and stereotypes and so on. The other important part of the program of Intercultural Cities is the ICC Index, which measures the impact of implemented diversity policies. Thanks to it, cities are able to improve the long-term effect of the policies. Eventually, the fact that cities can compare the results might create competition and result in an even better implementation of the programme across cities.
0: Now that Vilbjork kindly presented the actors, tools and the scope of the Council of Europe's urban strategy, let's look at some challenges it has to adapt to and the expected evolution. One of the least expected and lethal thing that has happened to humankind in the last couple of months and is unfortunately still ongoing is the COVID-19 pandemic. The COVID-19 crisis has seen an increase of trends of recentralization of power among states, hence harming the autonomy and empowerment of local authorities as protected by the European Charter of Local Self-Government. Now, this is a bit counterintuitive, right? Because local authorities like mayors are the closest to the citizens. And so they have the most thorough knowledge of the situation on the ground. So their decisions are likely to be more relevant to the situation. So in France, for instance, during the highest stages of the COVID-19 crisis, at a time in France uh, when only supermarkets were allowed to be open to sell essential food, um, the mayor of Valence, a little city in the southeast of France, issued a municipal decree to authorize the opening of all businesses. So not only supermarkets, but independent businesses. And the mayor took that decision because he saw the situation on the ground. And it saw that on the one hand, you had supermarkets uh, which were selling other things that's essential food, uh, and were still making profits. Uh, and on the other hand, you had independent businesses which were closed down and losing money. In addition to this situation, uh, because only supermarkets were opened, you had crowds of people there, which is a bit silly because crowds facilitate the spread of the virus. And so those are things that you know because you're on the ground. In other instances, the government applied lockdown measures on whole regions. But certain municipalities within those regions had very low COVID-19 incidence levels. So that didn't make sense for them, policy-wise and economically-wise. In other instances, again, some mayors felt like the government wasn't doing enough on the contrary. Um, And so they issued municipal decrees to go beyond that. So to sum it up, the Council of Europe should advocate for a better inclusion of all actors in decision processes, which would allow to avoid that kind of messy situation with contradictory measures and ensure that the final decision taken is the most relevant one. Uh, That is to say, the most adapted to the local populations, which protects their social and economic rights, and not merely the one decided upon by the most powerful governance level. Political engagement at the local scale is also a challenge that the Council of Europe has to address. Um, In several Western democracies, at the moment, there's a civic engagement crisis at the local level. Um, In France, for instance, in 2020, only 44.66% of the people voted to the municipal elections. Uh, that is to say, less than one out of two persons, while more than 70% of them voted during the presidential elections of 2017. Uh, same thing in the UK, where the turnout to the general election of 2019 was 67.3%, while that for the local elections of 2018 was 34.6%. Um, in parallel to this, there's a growing digitalization of political action where people are sometimes more likely to tweet or sign an online petition that is to say to turn towards these new immediate activist tools of political participation rather than to go and vote for their mayor or local representative and so in this context it's important that the council of europe through its congress of local and regional authorities supports a greater participation of citizens in local politics And this can be through financial support to local authorities to allow them to invest in more attractive, innovative practices of political participation using new technologies, for instance. And, of course, it's also important that the Council of Europe keeps promoting and monitoring the quality of local democratic governance, um, so monitoring corruption, clientelism, and so on, so that people trust their local representatives and have a bigger incentive to vote. Another big challenge, of course, is climate change. Um, And the Congress has to help adapt the local level to its effects, uh, which have proven to be even more pressing than expected. Um, If we think about the recent deadly floods of July 2021 in cities in Belgium, uh, Luxembourg, Netherlands, Germany, well, cities are just not prepared for these effects. And they did better mitigating measures at the local level. You know, the Council of Europe is planning to contribute uh, to the standard setting on the right to safe and sustainable environment as a fundamental human right, and that's a great start. But it should also support concretely, financially, and encourage and monitor the implementation on the ground of concrete protection and mitigation measures. Uh, which provide better protection of the population to climate change. And this is more than ever urgent, as scholars have shown that climate change will and is already making this kind of episode more intense and more frequent. And on the other hand, of course, the Council of Europe should support urban environmental policy and activities to reduce the carbon footprints of cities, which is obviously contributing to the problem. Another important challenge is the growing socioeconomic inequalities, aggravated by the COVID-19-induced economic crisis um, between urban and rural areas, between cities and within cities, particularly those embedded to the global economy, that is, big capital cities. If we take Marseille in France, for instance, which is not the capital of France, but still one of its most important cities, in the troisième arrondissement, close to 50%, that is to say, one out of two persons lives below the poverty line Compared to only about nine percent in the 8th arrondissement, and so the Council of Europe must put in place means, workshops, conferences, to sit down and think about ways to develop urban planning and housing strategies to inverse this segregation dynamic, which threatens the social mixity and hence the social cohesion in our European cities, and and also most often those socioeconomic inequalities are also ethnocultural ones. So that's a problem that needs to be addressed. Closely related to these issues of social mixity, the Council of Europe, which defends human rights, also has to adapt to the rise of hateful and discriminatory speeches facilitated by social media and ever more frequent in the context of increasing migration flows to European cities, recuperated by far-right and xenophobic political parties and movement. So we've seen that the Council of Europe is raising awareness using the Intercultural Cities Program, as Wilbjörg mentioned earlier, the anti roman Strategy, which is part of this program, uh, which fights stereotypes and false information and so on. But raising awareness and doing this intellectual kind of work doesn't prevent political actors from using hateful arguments against certain communities to go on with their political activities. So there needs to be something more concrete done to ensure good behavior from political actors and citizens at the local level. And the Council of Europe also has to adapt to other challenges uh, caused by new technologies and the increasing presence of social media in our lives like fake news, disinformation, data protection and so on. We've seen that new technologies can be a burden, but it can also be a tool to address all those challenges I've been talking about. The Council of Europe should support, for instance, the digitalization of the activities of local authorities to make them more efficient. You know, COVID-19 has shown that more and more we can use new technologies beyond leisure to assist us at work. Um, That makes us efficient uh, so we should use that. The Congress should also support a use of technologies to make communication and consultation between local authorities and other governance levels easier and more fluid. As we've seen in our example about contradictory COVID-19 measures earlier, this is highly needed. The use of new technologies um, can also boost the engagement in local political participation. For instance, just organising elections online would probably attract much more young people because you're on a new computer and you you vote and then you go on with your day. And so, yeah, we should definitely invest in new technologies. This is something that should be supported by the Council of Europe because technologies can be a solution as well. So maybe the Council of Europe, through the Congress of Local and Regional Authorities, could organize conferences with experts on the digital transition and send them on the ground to our cities to advise and monitor digital transition. And in the future, the Council of Europe could even think about inscribing uh, the digital transition of all cities, including rural ones, and their governance systems as a fundamental right. That's also an idea. For more information on the current priorities and challenges of the Congress of Local and Regional Authorities of the Council of Europe, please consult its report on 2021-2026 priorities, accessible from the Council of Europe's website. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and we hope to see you very soon for another episode. Bye bye.